reading from 2 Samuel. These are the last words of David. The oracle of David, son of Jesse, the oracle of a man whom God exalted, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the favorite of the strong one of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks through me. His word is upon my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, one who rules over people justly, ruling in the fear of God, is like the light of morning, like the sun rising on a cloudless morning, gleaming from the rain on a grassy land. Is not my house like this with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. While he is not cause to prosper, all my help and my desire, but the godless are all like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be picked up with the hand. To, to touch them, one uses an iron bar or the shaft of a spear, and they are entirely consumed in fire on the spot. The word of the Lord. The psalm for today is Psalm 132. We will read responsively by the half verse as indicated by the asterisk. Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured, how he swore an oath to the Lord and vowed a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not come under the roof of my house nor climb into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep nor let my eyelids slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. The ark, we heard it was in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of Jerem. Let us go to God's dwelling place. Let all fall upon these before God's footstool. Arise, O Lord, into your resting place, and you in the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your faithful people sing with joy. For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. The Lord has sworn an oath to David, and in truth will not break it. A son, the fruit of your body, and I will set upon your throne. If your children keep my covenant and my testimonies, that I shall teach them their children set upon your throne reading from Revelation. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us, freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, 
Do you ask this on your own, or do others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. The Gospel of the Lord. I remember the first time I voted in a presidential election. It was the first time I voted at all. I was living abroad at the time, but it was the first time I was ever really excited about a candidate. It gave me hope for the future of the U.S., and so I mailed in a request for an absentee ballot, anxiously waiting for it to arrive. I filled it out with great diligence and marched off to the consulate office to make sure that it would arrive back in the States in time to be counted. I was so excited that day walking down the streets in a foreign land, holding that completed ballot in my hand. I felt like I was holding a secret antidote that once used properly was going to bring a big change, not only to the U.S., but also to the city I was currently living in and around the world. Well, my candidate did win, but his term has come and gone. And if I'm honest, I'm still holding out for those changes to take effect, still hoping that someday they will take root in the nation and the world. See, I had put my hope in a human instead of in Christ. While I believed in Christ, I was putting my faith in a man and a governmental system that, if we're honest, has its limitations. Christ, on the other hand, has already won the ultimate campaign, and Christ's kingdom is breaking in slowly, even now, today. Christ has authority and power far greater than what any U.S. president, past or future, or any foreign leader, for that matter, will ever have. Christ is where I try and place my hope now. Today is the feast day of Christ the King. It has only been a feast day for less than a hundred years. It was first established by the Roman Catholic Church in 1925. Pope Pius XI declared the special day, marking it the last Sunday of the liturgical year before Advent begins. The Pope's original intention of the day was not to make some hallmark special with some who-reigns-in-your-heart sentiment. And while that is an important question to ask, the Pope was not looking for that individualistic assertion that day when he declared the feast day. See, it was not even a decade since World War I had finished. And as the world was trying to rebuild itself, the Pope saw the world taking political turns that were counter 
to the biblical teachings. The Pope wanted a day that, either encouraging or condemning, reminded the world who Christ was and is and is to be. In part, the Pope was calling for the feast day in protest against the uprising dictators. In the encyclical, which the Pope wrote announcing the new feast day, he stated that, quote, when once men recognize both in private and in public life that Christ is king, society will at last receive the greatest blessings of real liberty, well-ordered discipline, peace, and harmony. Christ the king was and is the key for peace among the nations. So what do we mean when we say Christ the king? The prophets of the Old Testament foretold and Jesus himself confirmed that Christ holds ultimate authority, authority of both heaven and earth. Even Pilate saw it to some degree. In John's gospel, it was usually Jesus who identified himself, but here in our reading today, it was Pilate, a ruler of the world who identifies for the listeners who Jesus is. Even the great leaders of the world at some point come to submit to Christ. For Christ, being king also means means holding authority, but more than that, Christ saves us. He frees us from sin, from oppression, from the brokenness of life. Christ, the Prince of Peace, restores the world to the way it is meant to be. Unlike our earthly rulers, Christ maintains this rule without the use of corruption, manipulation, lies, or violence. Christ's style includes sacrificial acts like the incarnation and death on the cross. Ultimately, Christ's authority and rule comes from being God. And the nature of being the one true God means that no one can hold authority greater than God. While we often tend to hold our political candidates and officers high on pedestals, giving them such honor that it may border on idol worship, none of them will ever have authority and power as great as Christ our King, which is a good thing, for God is love, and so when Christ judges, Christ judges from the place of love. No human could ever be as equally selfless, loving, and merciful as God. And so, as we enter into the season of Advent, the season of waiting, we will be waiting once again to celebrate the birth of the incarnation of God, but we also wait for that second coming. We wait for Christ to come and complete this idea of reign and to experience his kingdom completed on earth. We stand on that threshold, waiting. One foot in the reality of the sin and brokenness in this world, and one foot in the promise of a restored world. And so we wait in hope. So where do we rest our hope? In an elected official or in Christ our King? While I wish I could announce today that Jesus is running for president in 2020, 
I can't. And no matter who is elected for president in two years, the president will be human, will make mistakes, and will act in ways that we may not agree with. And while it is our civic duty to vote, to reach out to our elected officials and to ask them to consider what our views are as holy and just ways of governing, and we are throughout each year to hold our elected officials accountable for their work. None of our officials have the capability to save the world. The work has already been done through the work of Christ. So where do we rest our trust and our hope? In mere humans or in Christ our King?